All right, would you guys pray with me over our message this morning? Lord, I pray that these are your words. Lord, we're, we're coming to you because we want your words of truth. And so, God, in a time where there's just a lot of spin and a lot of opinions and a lot of manipulation, I pray that, that you prevent any of that from happening here, that this is a place where your word is, is just preached accurately. And so, Lord, would you speak today to our hearts? Would you let our hearts be open to what you have to say? We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, welcome, guys. Thank you so much for coming this morning. And those of you who have, who have been here the past few weeks, you know we are, we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And that's one of those things that most of us know the list, or maybe you don't. That's okay, too. But for a lot of these types of sermons, a lot of times it's just know the list. Know the list of the fruit of the Spirit. And I wanted to do a much deeper dive of that, of really looking at what does this mean that our lives should have Fruit, that there's certain things that should be growing or spilling out of our lives if we're being led by the Spirit. And we kind of talked about how, you know, if you're a Christian, you've got these two things trying to lead you. That's what the Bible says. You've got your, your sinful nature and your flesh that wants to do what it's always done. And you have the Spirit of God living in you that's trying to lead you in a different way. And those are doing battle with you. And so the Bible says, if you want to know which one you're listening to, if you want to know which one you're letting lead your life, look and see what spills out of your life. Look and see what is growing out of your life. Because if you're being led by the Spirit, there's going to be very specific certain things that spill out of your life. And if you're being led by your flesh, your sinful nature, the way you always have been, there are going to be certain things that spill out of your life as well. And so as a quick recap, we started with love because you have to start with love. That's what the Bible says. Without love, everything's meaningless. And so that's one of those things that should be growing and spilling out of your life if you're being led by the Spirit. And it's not love the way we define it. It's not infatuation. It's not lust. It is agape love. It is that selfless, sacrificial love that our flesh can't create. In fact, our flesh, if we let it go, is just selfish. Selfish ambition is what flows out of our lives. And then last week we talked about joy and how that's one of those things that, that grows out of your life if you're being led by the Spirit. But that joy is different than happiness. It's not just, I like my current circumstance. Joy is, I can rejoice all the time because of what Jesus has already done and what I know he's promised to do. I can always have joy. I might not always be happy, but I can always have joy. And kind of, if you want to know, is my flesh in charge? The fruit of the flesh that the Bible tells us is envy. And that's kind of the opposite of joy. Envy says, I need my right now, my current circumstance, to be as good or better than everybody else around me, and then I'll choose to have joy. Whereas true joy says, I'm actually for the bad times. When things aren't going my way, that's when joy is actually my refuge. And so today, we're moving on to the next part of the fruit of the Spirit, and that's peace. And this one is probably one where if you were to look at the list of the fruit of the Spirit and try to just cherry pick one, a lot of us would go right to peace. Because for a lot of us, that's what we're looking for. I don't know if there's probably not very many if I said, hey, does anyone want a little more peace in their life that they'd go, no, I'm good. I got plenty of peace. We all are kind of looking for that elusive peace in our life. And so this is the one where we're, we're diving in. What does this 
actually mean. And this is another one, and, and this is going to be a pattern that you're going to hear as we talk through the fruit of the Spirit, is that it's important for us to define it. Because one of the problems with the English language is what we like to do is, is take words from other languages that have five or six different meanings, and we just condense them all down into one meaning, and we hope that through context, we figure out which definition we're using. So we have to define this. Because if I were to just say, what does peace mean to you? And I asked 10 of you, what does peace mean? Define it for me. I would probably get 10 of different definitions of what peace means to each of us. So we need to understand that. But before I even get to there, let me ask you a question. You know the Bible talks a lot about guarding your heart, right? Most of you have heard that. And guarding your mind and your thoughts. But how do you do that? What is it that helps you to guard those things in your life? And you might say, reading the Bible, and I would say, yes, that's, that's true. And you might say, prayer and spending time in the presence of God, and I would say, yes. But I want to bring you to Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. And this is what it says. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Have you guys ever thought about that? That peace, and again, this is a pattern you're going to hear, is not an emotion. Emotions don't guard your hearts, do they? Emotions are actually kind of that thing that usually opens the door to let your enemies into your heart. And so peace is not an emotion. And, and what the Bible says is that without peace, you're kind of an unguarded city. Your heart and your mind are kind of free reign for anyone who wants to come in and sabotage what God is building inside of you. And we don't think about that very often with peace. We don't think of peace as being something that guards our hearts and guards our minds. But that's exactly what the Bible says. And what we have to understand right away is peace is not the absence of chaos. That's how I would like to define it, because I'm not a person that likes chaos. Is there anyone else here who's not a fan of just chaos? Anyone? Okay, good. I tend to like, I like my ducks in a row. I like to feel like I've got my, my head wrapped around everything and everything and kind of in control of it. And so when things get too complicated and too chaotic, I tend to not like it. And so when someone says peace, I think of, oh, a lack of chaos. Things being chill and calm and no one yelling and no one screaming and, and that. And, and that's one definition of peace that the Bible uses, but you might be surprised to know that is not what this word peace means. So if you're looking at it and saying, man, if I have the Spirit of God living in me and I'm being led by it, everything's always going to be calm, everything's always going to be chill and quiet, I hate to break it to you, that is not true. That's not what the Bible says. And those of you who have served God for any amount of time can attest to that, that even as you are being led by the Spirit, things will get a little crazy, things will get a little chaotic, but that's not the peace that's being talked about here, right? Because that's the peace that's a feeling. I feel peaceful. I feel calm. I feel all of those things. And although that's not wrong, as I've said over and over, the whole point of the fruit of the Spirit is to not rely a little bit less on our emotions and have a little bit more solid things that we can look to and rely on. So let's actually define peace. This word peace that is listed here in the Bible, what is the original definition of this word? And this is the biblical definition of this word. It is to join, to tie together into a whole, wholeness, 
when all essential parts are joined together. Now, how many of you would have defined it like that? See, this is one of those things why it's so important to go back to the original language and see is because we tend to take all these words and put them all together and we can define it however we want. Well, that's not good. We've got to figure out what this is actually saying. And so this word peace literally means to be whole, to have all the parts that are supposed to be together together. And I, and I can tell you, I can give you the best possible example of this. Those of you who are married or in a relationship that's serious or even have kids, when do you feel the most peace in your household? It's probably when you and your spouse are kind of united. And when you, when you lose that peace, it's when there's that division between you. It's like, man, we're not quite on the same track. We're not quite on the same page. And that's where that peace, you start to lose it because it's that wholeness. It's, it's, we're supposed to be one and we are one. And that's where that peace comes from. Even if things are a little crazy and things are a little chaotic, if in that relationship you guys are unified and you guys are whole and you're on the same page, you still have peace in the midst of chaos because that's what that word means, is to be tied together, to be joined, to be whole. Peace really comes from unity. It comes from being unified with the things that you're supposed to be unified And that shows right away who God is. And you've probably noticed this, that as we've gone through the fruit of the Spirit, the things that that should be spilling out of our lives, the things that should be growing out of our lives, represent who God is. And that kind of makes sense. If we're being led by the Spirit of God, then our lives should start to look like who God is. And so we have to understand that peace, unity, shows who God is. The Bible tells us God is peace, and that's because he has perfect unity. The idea of the Godhead, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, separate yet perfectly unified. It's like an impossible thing for our our brains to even wrap around. That's what God's showing us, his his perfect unity. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. So it says, it says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And and it's this idea that even though people are different, through the blood of Jesus, we can become one person. There was once a dividing wall between groups of people, You know, us versus them, we're different, division, division. And it says right here, the heart of Jesus is I want to unify, I want to bring together, I want to make whole, and that is what peace is, is wholeness to be brought together. And what we have to understand is the church is called to be unified. We as Christians show who God is when we are unified. Now, as an aside, what you have to understand, and if I go back to the definition, it says all essential parts are joined together. There are going to be some things you're not supposed to be unified to. And I want to, this is just kind of a side. The Bible says to not be unequally yoked, and that word yoked basically means to be tied together. So this is not saying that you need to be made whole with everybody, because there are some people, if If you talk to somebody and they're like, I don't believe Jesus was God. I don't believe he saved us for our sins. Well, no, you should probably not be unified 
with that person. So I'm not saying everything has to be unified, but it's understanding what are the things where it's right for, for me to be together, for me to be whole in this, and choosing to do that. Because at its very core, this shows who God is versus who the enemy is. Is God, if you read the Bible from start to finish, his heart has always been to bring together what has been separated, to, to restore relationships. That's always been who God is. That's why Jesus came to earth, is that we were created to be in relationship with God the Father. And because of our sin, we were divided. And Jesus came so that that relationship could be made whole again, so that we could be restored. That's the heart of Jesus. That's the heart of God, is making peace. That's why we have, that's why it's called the gospel of peace. If you've ever wondered why in the Bible, every time it talks about the gospel, it says we have a gospel of peace. It's because that's what the gospel means, is we can be made whole again. We can be unified to God again. That, part, that us and God that were divided, we can once again be whole and unified again with God. And that's peace, is to be tied together. But it also shows who the enemy is. If you look at the Bible... And you look at what the enemy is always trying to do, always. He's always trying to divide. Have you noticed that? I can promise you, 100% of the time, if you ask me, what do you think the enemy is trying to do right now? I can promise you he's trying to divide something. That's from the very beginning, even in the garden, Adam and Eve had a relationship. They were, they were together with God. It says they walked with God in the cool of the day. They were unified. And it, the, from the first time we saw the enemy in the garden... He was trying to divide. He was trying to separate. He's always trying to put a wedge in something that is supposed to be together. That's the work of the enemy. That's why I can promise you right now, if you are married, I promise you, the enemy is trying to put a wedge between you and your spouse. I can promise you that. That's, he's always going to be trying to do that. If you have kids, he's going to be trying to put a wedge between you and your kids. That's the work of the enemy. That's who he is. He is a divider of people who should be unified. He was from the very start, and he will be. And he currently is. And that's why if you say, if I'm being led by the Spirit, there should be peace or wholeness or, or unity that kind of spills out of my life, that grows out of my life. The question is, what does it look like? What's the fruit of the flesh? If I'm being led by my flesh, what is it that grows out of my life? What is it that spills out of my life? And there's this word in... Uh, in the list of the fruit of the flesh, that's dissension. And it's a very interesting word because it doesn't, it's deep in its meaning. And I'll just give you, this is the, the biblical definition of dissension. It's to wrongly separate people into pointless factions. Any of you guys seen that in your life? That's kind of what we do as humans, isn't it? We're just always trying to, to divide a little bit more. Like, well, you're wearing a, a, you're wearing a black shirt, I'm wearing a gray shirt, so we should be in different groups. And you've got this color hair, I've got blue eyes, so we need to... And we're always dividing into groups when it doesn't make a lot of sense. And those of you who are in high school, what was the hardest part? It's probably if there were cliques and you didn't fit into one of them, Right? It's always a destructive force. It's always something that, that pulls people apart. It's always something that puts somebody down, gets somebody out of the group. 
And that's not the heart of God. That's the heart of the enemy. That's, that's our flesh. That's what our flesh does. Is it's always looking for a reason to divide into more groups. And we, I would say, as the church in America have been really bad at this, we're always dividing into more groups. We're always finding more reasons to separate. And, well, I shouldn't really hang out with you because of this and that. And that's not the spirit of God. Now, again, I'm going to go back to there are some people who, yes, you should not be united to. There are right reasons to say, I should not be yoked to you. I should not be tied to you. We are not on the same. We're not going in the same direction. And that's okay. But this idea of to wrongly separate people into pointless factions, to to be so picky. and, And I would say this way, if you're like, how do I know if I'm separating into pointless factions, or if this is a good, like, I should not be yoked to this person, there should be division. I would say this, and this isn't a perfect way to look at it. If you are dividing based on preference or opinions, don't do that, because that's going to be pointless, probably. If you're like, I prefer this, and they prefer that, so we can't be united. We're going to divide. We're going to kick them out. That is not the spirit of God. Now, there's going to be some really true things to be like, wow, we don't believe the same thing. We're not going in the same direction. But what you have to understand is peace comes from unity when things are made whole, when things are brought back together. And that's who Jesus was. That is who God is at his very heart. I can't overstate how much this affects us as believers. And there's something I want to bring you to that I thought was really interesting. Do you guys know that in the Bible, when you look at the idea of peace, oftentimes it talks about feet. Now that seems super random, but I'm going to read to you three verses in a row and you're going to see what I mean. This first one is from the armor of God, which I actually think we're going to go into after this. This is a good little little preview. But Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, it says, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Then Luke chapter 1, verse 79 says, To guide our feet in the path of peace. Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace. What is this connection between the idea of peace in the Bible and your feet. Even so much as the armor of God, it says literally your feet are fitted with peace, with the gospel of peace. And I think if you think about it, it makes sense because peace means that everything is whole. Everything's undivided. Things have not been wedged apart. There's not a bunch of pointless divisions between everything. It makes sense that if you have peace and everything's together and everything's unified, you're able to move, right? So let's let's say that. Let's say you have a 6 o'clock flight tomorrow morning, right? Would you pack tonight for that, or would you figure, I think I can get up, I think I can wake up, and I'll just throw everything together tomorrow morning? You'd probably want to pack tonight, because when you wake up in the morning and you got to move and you got to get going... You want your stuff to be together. You don't want to all of a sudden be like, I got to leave in two minutes. Let me try to get everything together. Let me try to bring everything together real quick. That's not very smart. But that is how we as Christians often operate, right? We're, 
We've got big divisions with us and our spouse. We've got divisions with us and other believers. We've got divisions with us and our children. And then God says, hey, move. I'm giving you an assignment to go do. And now we have to quick try to bring everything back together before we move. And it doesn't work very good. See, the people who are ready to move, who are ready to go, are the people who have peace, who are whole, where everything is brought together. One of the most frustrating tasks that I do in my life is take my dogs for a walk. And here's why. Because I, do- I have two dogs, and they have two speeds. And I might have shared this to you before. I got one dog that only goes at 1,000 miles per hour and will rip my arm directly out of my socket. That's all she has. And then I have one dog that is a very old bulldog that moves at her own speed, which is half the speed of smell wants to, like, check out every blade of grass that there is. And so when I go for a walk, it is like this. I'm being pulled apart. And we don't move very well. Let me just tell you that. It's not a good way to go for a walk because we're not united. We're not whole. We're not brought together. We are all going our own separate ways. And maybe you guys have been in a group like that, maybe at work where you have a meeting and, like, nobody is on the same page. And you're all like, no, we need to do this, we need to do that. It's... Do you get anything done? Do you move anywhere? Do you accomplish anything when you're all divided on what's going on? See, this is is the point of peace. And a lot of people will say, how come the church in America isn't doing anything, right? How can we see other countries where where God is moving and things are happening, but in our country, everything just seems stagnant. Everything seems like no one can get anything done. But then we look and we have become so separated. We've created all of these pointless factions, even within Churches, And I'm not saying that's happening here, but you guys have probably experienced it. Where even within one church body, you've got all these different cliques and all of these different things. And it's like, I wonder why we're not moving. I wonder why we're not going anywhere. It's because we don't have peace. We're not whole. We're not ready to go. We're kind of just expecting once we get the call, then we'll start packing stuff up. And the Bible tells us, have peace. That's what the Spirit has, because then you're ready to move. You're ready to go. And that's why the Bible says we have a gospel of peace. That's what the gospel is for. The gospel points to peace, wholeness, unity. We don't have a gospel of dissension. We don't have that gospel that's constantly trying to divide people apart. We have a gospel of wholeness. And that's why we have, to, we have to look at this and go, is my life spilling out peace or is it spilling out division? Because that's really that core of am I being led by the Spirit or am I being led by the flesh? Because I'm going to be honest, even me and my natural flesh, I'm always looking for reasons that people aren't on the same page with me. Well, I can't, I can't be with that person because of this. I can't be with that person because of that. And we're always finding reasons to divide. But that's not what the Spirit of God does. So what do we do? I'm going to bring you to Romans chapter 14, verse 19. And this is what it says. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. My last point is that you have to pursue peace. Peace is not a natural thing that happens. Now, you might be saying, Pastor, with the other fruit of the Spirit, you said you can't just do it through willpower. You have to receive it from God first. And that is true. This isn't the fruit of your willpower. This isn't the fruit of your intelligence. 
or your theology. You have to receive it from God first. And this is true as well. You have to receive wholeness from God. And that's one of the things that I think we leave on the table so much as Christians is we say, Jesus, I receive your grace and I want to go to heaven. And that's good. But do we go all the way to say, but I want to be made whole. I want your blood to make me whole. And I want that wholeness to bleed out into my life. I want the wholeness that started in me to bleed out into my marriage, to bleed out into my family, to bleed out into my friend group and my workplace. I want to spill wholeness out into the world. I want to spill peace out in the world. And the Bible tells us to do that, you have to pursue it. It has to be something that you truly put energy into because this is not something that's just going to happen by accident. How many of you guys have been in a situation and you're like, whoop, I accidentally brought peace to that situation. Didn't try. It just kind of happened. I've never had it. Peace has always come as the result of effort, of really praying on it and really trying to make sure that God's will is being done in that. But it has to start with us being whole because we cannot bring wholeness into the world if we are not whole ourselves. And that starts with just receiving from God. That's what the Bible tells us. He, he desires to bring that into our life. So let me ask you this as we're kind of getting ready to wrap up here. I want you to just take a minute and, and think through your life. Think through the situations you've been workplaces that you've been at, friendships you've had, maybe you've gone to school somewhere, whatever, the situations that you've been involved with, and I want you to, to really soberly ask yourself, have I brought peace or have I brought dissension? Have I been someone who divides? Have I been someone where after I enter into a place, there's more clicks than there were before? There's more divisions? People are more divided? Or am I somebody that when I enter into a situation, there's more peace, there's more wholeness? People are more united than they were before. And that's not for you to share with anybody else. That's for you to just soberly go, in those areas of my life, when it comes with how I interact with the world, am I being led by the Spirit of God? Or am I being led by the flesh? Because then you can make changes if it needs to happen. And I would, I would wager that if you are someone that you are like, yeah, maybe I'm not the worst, but yeah, I've brought some division in my life in different areas. I think if you were to be honest with yourself and look deep inside, I think that there's probably some division going on in you. I don't think you probably could say, I'm whole because we can't bring that peace out into the world until we let that peace really enter into our life where, where we can look in the mirror and say, I have peace. I am whole because of the blood of Jesus. And that's where we have to start. Even this morning is until we are full of peace ourselves, we cannot spill peace out into the world. And that's what we've been talking about kind of this whole time is if you have a, a, a glass full of coffee and you shake it around, you should not expect to have apple juice spill out of it. What's in there is going to spill out. The Bible says out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. What we're full of spills out. And so if you're not full of wholeness, if you're not full of peace, which, by the way, Jesus promises that that's available to each of us, then peace and wholeness is not going to spill out of your life. 
And I'm gonna ask one more challenging question. And I apologize, this is a little bit more of a challenging message this morning. But if your life is what people use to determine what the gospel is supposed to be about, would they think it's the gospel of peace? Or would they think it's the gospel of something else? So if someone just saw your life and said, this person's life is based on the gospel, would they say that must be the gospel of peace? Or would they think something else? And that's a challenging question, but that's what the Bible says. We are representing the gospel of peace, of wholeness, of unity out in the world. And again, not to everything. There are going to be many things that we should not be unified to. But to the things that we know, hey, we are called to be unified. We're called to be whole in this. Are we representing that? And if you're not, I encourage you, and this is the last thing I'll say before I close, is you need to receive that wholeness yourself. That's, that's on the table. That's available to everyone who has Jesus as their Savior. Inside, in your heart, you can have peace. You can have wholeness. You can wake up, look in the mirror, look at who you are, and have peace and wholeness. And until you have that, none of the rest of this matters. But just know that's available. And that's going to come through your relationship with the Father of understanding I am whole with my creator. I am united with my creator. There's nothing divided between me and God. And no matter what else happens on earth, my relationship with God is solid and whole. And when you have that and you are able to live in that peace, that peace will spill out into the world. And so if you guys would stand, I just want to pray with you this morning. Father, I, I thank you that we have every opportunity to be whole, Lord. Through your blood, through being one with the Father, having that relationship restored, Lord, that we can be full of peace. And Lord, I pray that we are people, that that peace, that wholeness, Lord, that, that unity, that oneness spills out out of our lives, Lord, that we are people that as we enter into a situation, it has more peace because we're there. It is more whole because we are there. Those that we come into contact with see it spilling out of our life, that it is fruit that grows, Lord God. But I pray that it starts with each of us inside, Lord. I pray that every person here, because of your work on the cross, because of your blood, is able to experience that wholeness, that peace, Lord God. Not necessarily a calm, not necessarily just feeling chill, but Lord, that we know we are one and the, the, the relationship in our life that matters more than anything else, the relationship in our life that determines our future and everything that we are gonna face, we are unified and we are one in that relationship and that relationship has been made whole and complete. Lord, and allow us to live in that. Allow us to operate from that place of peace and let that peace spill out into our lives. Lord, we love you and I pray that we experience that. In your name, amen.